Aucklanders are facing even bigger potential rates rises and service cuts. The hole in the Auckland budget just keeps getting worse. It was $295 million, which was bad enough. It's now $325 million with an extra $50 million required for the storm response. Auckland Council's big budget hole. The city's mayors come up with a way to help fill it. Wayne Brown has been pushing to sell the council's shares in Auckland Airport, claiming it's the only option to save services from cuts. If we don't sell the airport shares, the cuts will be more severe and the rate rises will be more severe. The council has an 18% stake in Auckland Airport and selling it off could raise nearly $2 billion. It's attracted plenty of debate. It's a very short-term decision that um, we say is not in the long-term interest of the city. There'll be people in South Auckland who'll be really saddened by this because these are shares that we invested in and all of Auckland has benefited from. Why not? It's not paid a dividend for the last couple of years. Uh, It will do in the future, but it's been knocked around, but it's sitting there, it's sitting there pretty. Council needs money. And now that Wayne Brown's walked back some of the proposed cuts to services... Citizens Advice Bureau, Homelessness Initiatives, Regional Events and Arts and Culture Funding are now certain of some funding at least. Does that make a share sale more likely? Well, he's always said, um, in his opinion, that the airport shares is a no-brainer. It has to be part of the package to make this work. Kia ora, I'm Tom Kitchen, and today on The Detail, Council's selling off their assets. It's a controversial and sometimes risky business. But why do councils have these assets on their books in the first place? And how do they weigh up a sale to get the books in order versus the potential for long-term returns? Stuart Crosby is the president of Local Government NZ, which represents councils across the country. He was the Mayor of Tauranga for 12 years and is now a Bay of Plenty regional councillor. So if he was in Wayne Brown's shoes, what would he do about the airport shares? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I would probably um, sell with their current financial situation that Auckland's finding themselves in. It needs to be considered, you know, when you're (laughs) having significant issues as Auckland is, you know, the bigger you are, the bigger the issue financially. You need to objectively look at all your options. And with regard to that particular uh, shareholding uh, in Auckland Airport, uh, my understanding is Auckland Airport's going to require significant capital investment in the short to medium term and upgrades, which is good. And is Auckland City Council getting a return from that as opposed to investing it somewhere else, cashing it up and investing it somewhere else and getting a stronger return or retiring Uh, debt uh, as well could also be an option as well. So they are going through the right process of looking at that issue, looking at the options, engaging with the community and crunch time will be very shortly uh, where they'll make a decision on whether to retain or sell all or part of the share portfolio to uh, address some of their financial concerns. And that's the right thing to do. They're doing exactly the right thing and I fully support the process which they're going through. You support the the process, but the decision itself, isn't it a bit of a short-term hit? Yes, it is, and that's one of the issues you have to weigh out. Uh, is it a short-term hit to potentially pay off debt, uh, which could save them, as I understand the numbers are, around $100 million a year? But my experience with paying off debt is another council tends to come along and build it back up again. Uh, so 
again, you know, another variable that they have to consider as opposed to hanging in there with Auckland Airport and expecting some form of rate of return. The trouble is when you're an only an 18% shareholder, you, you can't control the activities of that particular entity. And you've got to decide, you know, is debt a bad thing? The issue is how much debt can you carry over a period of time and what it's used for? Most of it is obviously used for upgrades, uh, capital works, you know, the, and in Auckland, of course, is quite significant. So there are other options with regard to that. Obviously, there are rates. There is the issue of talking to the government, which I have been doing over, you know, three waters and issues like that. The trick with debt is playing the long game. You know, but Auckland has quite a unique situation there, not with their current debt, but what they're also looking ahead to invest in uh, to keep the city up and running as, as you know, a premier city of New Zealand. We're going through quite a difficult time at the moment, aren't we, with rising costs, you know, cost of living, also rising costs in terms of inflation. Also, we've seen the storm damage recently from the likes of Cyclone Gabrielle. I mean, how much more difficult is it for councils to balance the books these days? Oh, this has been developing, uh, in my view, for some time, but particularly becoming heightened over the last 10 years. You know, my personal view that the current funding arrangements for councils are not sustainable moving forward. In essence, the levers we've had haven't changed for over 100 years, and yet we've been asked to do more and more, and particularly to a higher level of service, which is often a good thing, uh, but it costs money. So what are those funding levers councils can pull? The most common one that people would be familiar with is obviously rates. Uh, then there's user fees and charges, and that could be in um, swimming pools, libraries maybe, for planning work, etc. Uh, then there's grants and subsidies, and the major grant that councils get is from government for transport. Some growth councils have uh, development contributions uh, that they utilise, where developers help contribute to major infrastructure uh, for growth. And then there's debt, uh, which is a tool that just about all councils, I would suggest, use. Some councils also have reserves that they build up and utilise from time to time. And then, of course, some councils also have investment income as well from their council-controlled organisations or various uh, investments that they have had from a per- over a period of time. Some of those investments date back to the 1980s and the government's market reforms. As part of that process, councils got shares in some key assets. Stuart says some councils decided to cash them up and reinvest, while others decided to hang on to them for the dividends. And if we look at an example of the New Plymouth District Council, they cashed up their investments after those reforms to the tune of around $240 million, which they now get a dividend of 10 plus million every year. That investment is growing over time to make sure it keeps value with inflation. And so that came from the electricity reforms. There was another one in a South Waikato District Council. Again, I received shares from Powco, uh, sold them up and have invested $20 million of those and is providing a particular dividend. And sometimes they target it for Pacific activities. Uh, In the case of South Waikato, I understand it goes into economic development. Uh, Then my own council uh, received shares from the Port of Tauranga and the port reforms, again in the early 90s. 
And over time, that's built up to nearly $3 billion, which currently provides a dividend this year of around $42 million. So quite significant. And that equates to an average um, investment or saving of rates to each rate payer in the whole Bay of Plenty. At the moment, it's valued at about $325 per rate payer. In the mid-90s, when Stuart Crosby was on the Tauranga City Council, before he was mayor, he supported a controversial decision to sell off electricity assets. We weighed up, should we keep uh, this asset or sell it? But the market pressures at that time, when we owned a very small uh, municipal electricity department, uh, and there was competition in the electricity industry, and that was the whole point of reform, to drive down really electricity prices to the consumer, we would have been gobbled up and we would have started losing money. So the right decision was made in that case uh, with strong advice to sell and actually to sell to our competitor, which was at that point in time trust power. So you're always weighing up these issues. Now, the question of whether or not to sell off assets is one councils grapple with frequently. And it's one the Christchurch City Council is facing at the moment. David Williams is Newsroom's South Island correspondent. Stripping, I guess, of assets is one way of putting it. Um, Another way is selling the family silver. And for years, councils, successive councils in Christchurch have looked at what they had on the books, being these large council-owned companies, for example, the Lines Company Orion, the Port Company Littleton, 75% of the airport was a big maintenance company called CityCare, And they've gone, man, these things are worth a lot of money. What benefits could we have from selling those or at least even selling them down, using that capital to pay off our debts and everything will be hunky-dory? But people in Christchurch have generally really liked the idea of owning their own assets. We want the Christchurch City Council to not go ahead with its announced policy of selling public assets and specifically we want them to not go ahead with the sale of city care, which is the first one they've announced. Why is that? What's the argument of the people? Well, there are many. I mean, if you say the argument for selling them is money, the argument for keeping them is money. So, yes, you can sell a large wadge of your asset and and you can make some money and use it to do with what you want to. But the other way of looking at it is if these companies perform well and continue to perform well, they're going to make you money. I mean, that's the idea of these companies a lot of the time is that they do provide a dividend to the council and it's an ongoing income stream. The moment that you sell half or all of something, that is no longer income. And so while you're saving on one side by this large capital hit, you're actually suffering on another by diminishing or disappearing um, some of your income. It disappears. So the other point is, is mainly strategic Let's take, for example, the port company. So the port company in uh, Littleton, just over the hill from Christchurch, there was an earthquake, you might remember, and there was huge damage to port infrastructure. So during the post-quake period, uh, cruise ships would come into Akaroa and uh, Littleton got back up and running and there was uh, a decision made later uh, to build a big cruise ship terminal. Littleton, uh, gosh, they must have got out of the bunting yesterday. They welcomed the first cruise ship in 11 years yesterday, delivering 2,700 passengers to the tourist-starved town. There is an argument to say that if you're in private hands, you might see the benefit of a cruise ship terminal and the money that that brings with it. But actually, 
often port companies make a lot more out of container ships. And so there's a dollars and cents argument to say that why don't we just do lots more in containers and we'll make more money. But strategically, if you are owned by the council, which Littleton is, it was delisted, I think, in 2014, and the the council controls 100% of those shares, it said, right, actually, for the good of Canterbury, we think it's a great thing to have cruise ships, not necessarily because the tills will be ringing in the port company building, but because, actually... For wider Christchurch and Canterbury, there's a whole bunch of people that are going to come in and they're going to buy things in shops and they're going to buy ice creams, they're going to look around and they're going to spend money. More than 200,000 passengers and crew are set to stop off this season, bringing an estimated $260 million to the local economy. And so strategically, that is a very good thing to do. And you could argue the same for other businesses. But what's the problem? Why might Christchurch want to get rid of this? Has it got a lot of debt? I guess you could put it another way. Question, are you a council in New Zealand? Yes. Second question, do you have a lot of debt? It seems that councils are swimming in debt, aren't they? We've got hugely ambitious councils with big spending. I guess people who watch councils and criticise them keenly would say that they take on too much in terms of the core functions of council and they spend a lot of money. These aren't just the organisations that collect your rubbish and uh, connect pipes to your house. They do things like they bring events to town, don't they? And so I guess this is the argument that's being had in Auckland. You know, what is necessary? What's core business? What can we afford? And so, yes, Christchurch has a lot of debt. But again, uh, let's go back to the context of earthquakes. There were probably very good reasons why we needed to take on a lot of debt. Yes, thank you. The taxpayer generally within New Zealand paid a lot of money to help us recover from those terribly uh, destructive earthquakes. But we had to foot a lot of the bills ourselves. And while we're a big city in New Zealand terms, it was extremely costly and a lot of people have paid higher rates as a result. So, yes, there's a lot of debt and there are discussions being had similarly to Auckland. How are we going to reduce that debt? How can we keep rates affordable? And what are we going to do about that? And hence the discussion about do we need to sell some of these assets? And uh, according to a Norlington Partners report, a consulting firm that uh, wrote a report for the council last year, they think we should. So the debate is almost to be had. They're going away at the moment and doing business cases for each of these companies to say, is it a good uh, idea to sell some of them and how much money would we get for it and what would we do with that money? Let's look at Queenstown now. So in 2010, there was a big controversial secret deal to sell off a quarter of Queenstown Airport to Auckland. A group of businessmen to ask the Auditor General to review a decision by the Queenstown Lakes District Council to sell off part of the town's airport. Auckland International Airport bought a 24.9% stake in the airport in a secret deal earlier this month. How about that? You go to sleep one night and you wake up the next morning and you're told that... 25% of, it's not a pure thing, Uh, it's basically, it was new shares. And so the Auckland Airport Company paid something like $27.7 million and they got a 25% stake in Queenstown. It was stunning that something that was 100% council controlled, I mean, airports are strategic. They can spend money and do things that other companies can't do. There isn't exactly a competitor, although, of course, Uh, As we know, the Christchurch Airport Company may want to build another one in Terrace, and maybe at some point there will be. But putting that aside, yes, this uh, amazing thing happened, and it was quite, well, controversial is the way to describe it, but 
it caused a lot of angst within Queenstown that this could happen without public consultation. And going into any election, say the mayor and councillors that have just been elected and the councils around the country, if they haven't gone into this election cycle saying, I plan to do this, like selling off whatever it may be, then people could feel rightly aggrieved. And so there was a kind of rearguard action to try and undo that sale, which was unsuccessful. What's wrong with another public entity like Auckland Airport owning some shares in Queenstown? Well, they're not the same, are they? So it's not like Auckland Airport is owned 100% by the Auckland Council, which is was the case in Queenstown, that Queenstown owned all of the airport. And so there is an argument to say that the commercial drivers for a listed company particularly are clear. I mean, you are there to make profits for your shareholders. That is your stated reason for being. And so they have a different imperative, a commercial one, to something like a 100% owned, council-owned entity. So what happened? So a group of business people took the council to court, did they? Yes, they took the parties to that deal. So Queensland Council, Auckland Airport, and they went to the High Court to try and undo the deal and then they had an injunction against that inflated shareholding happening. And there was a settlement and the result was that the shareholding would stay and the extra shareholding that Auckland Airport had the ability to buy didn't happen. If you look up north to Auckland and you have a look at what's going on here with the airport, put yourself in a politician's shoes, what would you do? Well, luckily, I would never be a politician. Uh, so we can rule that out, and, okay. and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there thinking, thank God for that, I wouldn't vote for you anyway. So um, it's a very difficult thing, right, especially for people who have been elected on to this council because you inherit all of the decisions of previous councils, and you look at the books and you go, what are we going to do? So we know there are hard decisions, and poor Auckland, you know, you've had a terrible year anyway with all the weather problems, which have added more costs, and now, you know, they're talking about the family silver. Now, of course, Auckland's different. The ones that I've been looking at down here, uh, we're talking about assets that are either 100% owned by a council or they're mainly owned by the council. And if there's a smaller shareholding, it might be something like the government or another council. And so it is a bit different when you're talking about 18% of shares owned in a listed company and that Auckland Council doesn't have even a board seat. Now, some might say, actually, if you've got 18% of something, you should have a board seat. And there's a strong argument to say that any public ownership of something as big as Auckland Airport has a benefit because... You know, you are the shareholder and you have a voice, even if you're not directly at the table of the board, you have a voice in the future of the airport. But on the other side, uh, it is a listed company. It has a, a, a board of directors and they make decisions for the, the interests of the company. So it is very different and I think it should be treated differently. And I think also... Uh, the it's not a case like Queenstown, you know, going to sleep one night and then the next morning a quarter of your airport is owned by someone else. As far as I was aware, Wayne Brown talked about asset sales quite plainly on the election campaign. And so this isn't a surprise and it shouldn't be. I guess really now it's up to the people of Auckland to say one way or the other, if they don't like the idea of these shares being sold, they probably need to speak up. But also, if they like the idea of that, if they think it makes financial sense, they should speak up too. 
The Auckland Council will finalise its budget next month. That's it for today. I'm Tom Kitchen. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by William Saunders. It was produced by Sarah Robson, Bonnie Harrison and Sharon Brett Kelly. And thanks to Stuart Crosby and David Williams. Ma te wa.